if the entrepreneur doesn't know his numbers, that motherfucker ain't getting a deal. And I'm always watching this shit like, why do these motherfuckers go on here not knowing their numbers? You got to know the numbers of your business. Success is all math, especially business. It's all math. Yo, what up, what up? It's your man, Brandon Carter, and you are listening to the Victory Talk podcast this is the podcast where we show you how to build your money muscle and mindset i give you the lessons that i learned over my career building several multi-seven figure businesses and every once in a while i bring in my successful multi-millionaire friends to teach you their lessons as well no matter what podcast platform you're tuning into make sure you follow us there because we are dropping new content every day that's going to help you succeed now let's get into today's episode I want to share with you the five mistakes that will bankrupt your business. If you have a business, you need to implement these strategies. Otherwise, you will be staring down the barrel of imminent doom and failure. If you have aspirations to start a business, this will help you get on the right track. If you do this right, if you don't do this right, you'll be one of the 80 percent of businesses that fail within their first year. And you certainly won't reach the point where you have over seven figures a year because only 5% of businesses ever reach a million dollars a year. If you want to reach those heights, you have to implement these five rules and avoid these mistakes. You may be listening, hey man, why should I listen to this guy who clearly is like he just walked out of the gym. He's wearing a tank top on the internet. Well, because over the last few years, I built several multi eight figure businesses and I made a lot of mistakes, so you don't have to. And here's some of the big mistakes I've seen in my business and other businesses that you can avoid to really take it to the next level. Mistake number one is focusing on revenue more than lifetime value of a customer. For example, I've consulted with a lot of different businesses over the years. I've ran ads for different businesses. I run a coaching company where I actually help people build their online fitness businesses. And I have several businesses myself. And one question that entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs always ask me is, hey, how much money should I spend on ads? But they're really asking the wrong question. This is how I know I'm talking to a novice. A more appropriate question to ask to ensure success would be, how much can I spend to acquire a customer? That's called cost of customer acquisition or CAC. Got to have your CAC in order. But how do you know how much you can spend? What's appropriate? Well, that's called LTV or lifetime value. Lifetime value is how much you can expect a customer on average to spend with you throughout the life cycle of that relationship. If you have something that you're selling on subscription, the subscription is $50 a month and the average customer stays on their subscription plan for three months, then your lifetime value will be $150. Let's stay with that example and say that lifetime value of that customer is $150. This gives you a clue to how much you can spend to profitably acquire a customer. The truth is, depending on the other costs associated with delivering the product or service to the customer, let's just say it's nothing just for simple math. How much you spend depends on how much profit you want. So if your cost of acquisition, let's say it costs you $50 to acquire a customer, then the profit would be $100. And you can start playing with these margins based off how much net profit you want to have, right? You can start playing with it. To be clear, if someone is a competitor and they can spend more than you to acquire a customer profitably, 
then they will beat you. You don't want to just focus on revenue. You want to focus on always getting that lifetime value up because the higher it is, the more you can spend to acquire a customer. So don't think about, oh, how much should I spend on ads? No, no, no. How much can you spend to acquire a customer? And if you're running ads, that data will be presented to you and your ads manager on whatever platform you're using. Or if you put all your ad data through a third party software, I use Hyros to just see what the customer acquisition cost really is across platform. Here's where it gets kind of cool. Let's say we get that lifetime value up. Them rookie numbers, you got to pump them numbers up. Get it up to $1,000. Oh shit. Now we can spend more to acquire a customer to fucking crush these motherfuckers, make them retire so their kids starve and they quit trying to compete with you. Oh, my kids are starving. I better go do something else instead of competing with Big Brandon Carter, King Keto, Gymnasium Jesus. Seen the story many times. Get my lifetime value up so I can spend way more to acquire a customer so I can put the competition out of business. See, some people, they get in business, they want to inspire people. No, no, no. I want to make them quit. Unless, of course, you're not competing with me, in which case I want to see you win. But if you're competing with me, I can't wait for you to lose. I can't wait for your children to be sad because they can't get braces. Then they got snaggle teeth. They getting made fun of. And you think, fuck, I better stop trying to compete with Gymnasium Jesus and go get a regular job. So my kids don't grow up to be as ugly as me. You pump that lifetime value up to $1,000. Oh, shit. Now you competing with these other motherfuckers, man. They only got a $150 lifetime value. Fuck this shit. I'm willing to spend, willing to spend up to $500 to acquire a customer still winning. So the key is to focus on lifetime value and keep increasing that because the whole game, the whole game of business is CAC versus LTV. Cost of acquiring customers versus lifetime value customers. Maybe thinking, hey, big Brandon Carter, Gymnasium Jesus, King Keto, how do I raise the lifetime value of a customer? I'm glad you asked. There's several ways to do this. I'm gonna give you my four preferred methods. They're grouping categories. You can get the customer to spend more and or you can get them to buy more. I'll show you what the difference is in a minute. A few of these tactics work super fast. Some of them take more time. What are these tactics? Well, to get them to spend more, obviously, one of the first things you can do is raise your prices. And you may be thinking, oh man, I can't raise my price as much or other people are charging less. Here's the thing, what you never wanna be doing is competing with people on price. You don't wanna compete with other businesses on price because you might win. It becomes a race to the bottom and that fucks up your profit margin. And then if you keep lowering, lowering your prices, what does that do to your lifetime value? Now you can't spend as much and then I put you out of business when I decide I wanna go into that vertical and crush everyone throughout the landscape. You'll fall victim to that. Keep raising prices. How do you do that? You gotta keep improving the product or service. So you have to have a constant, relentless focus on making your product or service better and better and better. The fucking cheap customers, they're always gonna buy the cheapest thing, but the best customers are gonna want the best product or service. So you'll get better customers, right? And you'll make more money and you'll be able to spend more to acquire a customer and you'll be able to crush the competition. Get your prices sky high, you know what I'm saying? Like as high as you can get it. Like motherfuckers just go <gasps> when you give them your prices and then you should be able to justify it though. And it, here's something you should know. Price is an illusion. Price is just what someone is willing to pay for something. That's what the price is. And it's malleable. 
You got to learn how to sell good. You got to learn how to market good. So people will be compelled to, to, to pay a premium price. For example, got the most expensive watch on I can find, <laughs> but I'm a good customer. Motherfuckers who only care about price, well, they're going to go with a Timex or something, right? And nothing wrong with those watches. I mean, they still tell the time, but like a customer like me, who's going to pay for a premium, I'm not looking for the cheapest. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking for something else. You want to build your product or service to the point where it actually attracts those kind of customers and compels them to work with you. So raise your, raise your fucking prices. But another thing you need to do is you need to reduce churn. What is churn? Churn is when people unsubscribe from your shit, stop paying you. They stop fucking with your shit, right? If you have some that's on uh, subscription, something like that, and they stop paying for it, that's churn, right? You want to reduce it. You want to keep people on their plans as frequently as possible. And this doesn't work if you have a business that you only sell things to them one time. I would never get into a business like that. You can succeed in that kind of business. However, you just, this this quadrant won't be applicable to you. If you have a, a recurring revenue business, then it's easier to, to manipulate these variables. So reduce churn, reduce churn, reduce churn, reduce churn. That's it's super important that you do that. Again, you do that by improving the product to the point where it's still a value, where it becomes an intricate part of their life. You can't trick people into paying you more. It doesn't work. The only thing you can do is keep improving the product or service to the point where they'd feel fucking stupid to leave. Make it so it's in their best interest to stay. People are always going to do what's in their best interest for the most part. You just have to make sure your incentives are aligned. So it's in your best interest to make your product or service the best it can be so people are compelled to want to stay. Like if you took it away from them, they'd be pissed. If you can do that, then you'll reduce churn and you'll easily make more money. Now, the reason that takes more time is because, you know, you're not going to make it 100% better overnight. And it's something that you never stop doing. You constantly keep improving your product or service, always looking for ways to make it better. The next fast way is going to be the upsell. Sell them something else. <laughs> when I have my supplement line, what we would do is kept raising our prices. We got people on subscription. We gave them a deal. You see Amazon does this with a subscribe and save. But then we hit them with the upsell, man. Like if they bought something, immediately at checkout, it'd be like, yo, man, get some creatine, some creatine monohydrate. Now, here's the thing about the, the creatine. We had our premium products, which was our fat burner, our pre-workout. We had this coffee called Fighter Fuel that was amazing. Those were like our premium products that we advertised. But then we had additional products that like weren't super special. It was just regular ass creatine, the same creatine you can get from the store. And once they purchased some, we gave them a deal on the creatine. And they just buy it from us because they, they make some money, man. So upsell. So we sold them some regular shit, regular ass creatine. Gave them a little deal and they bought it and it was super profitable for us because check this out. The reason the upsell is so profitable is because it's easier to sell to somebody who you already sold to instead of trying to get a new customer all the time, sell your existing customers, something else. It's kind of like sexual intercourse. It's easier to engage in sexual intercourse with someone who you already had sex with, especially if you had sex with them that day. If you wanted to have sex again that day, your highest likelihood of success, the strategy that would give you the highest probability is to have sex again with the person you just got done having sex with. Instead of leaving, going out, try to find, meeting a new person to have sex with, that's going to 
add way more difficulty <laughs> to the endeavor that, that that's necessary. Same thing with your customer base, man. When they're buying something, sell them something else. And they'll want to buy from you, especially if you've done the first two steps right. If your product or service is fucking awesome, then they'll be happy to buy from you because now they don't have to vet no one else. They don't have to take the risk on another product or service. They can, oh, this motherfucker did this shit good for me. It stands to reason he'll do this other shit good for me as well. So the upsell, find other shit to sell these motherfuckers. And they'll be happy to buy it from you. It's got to be congruent with what with your offer. If you're out here mowing lawns and shit, don't next be like, yo, man, I do also do internet security, right? No, no, those services aren't in congruence with each other. You want something that works together. If I was mowing lawns, I'd probably... Hit them with the, you know, man, we do power washing too. It's like power water washing. I don't know how this shit works. I never lived in a fucking home. I've only lived in apartments and penthouses my whole life. I've seen the suburbs on TV. The cross sale, what you can do here is sell them something from someone else that's congruent. You, you mow lawns, yo, your man washes windows. Talk to your lawn customers. Hey man, I see your windows all fucked up. This shit look like trash. You fucking up the property values. Neighbors are complaining. My man, he can fix that. He's the best window washer this side of the Mississippi. And you recommend him and then you, you get that person to give you a cut. So the cross sale is typically something with an industry or a company that's adjacent. And you can have some sort of commission structure where you get them sales and they can get you sales too. It can work symbiotically. If those two services are complementary, that other service can get you sales, you get them a commission, you get them sales and you get them a commission. You see this a lot in the internet marketing space called joint venture or JV for short. So a lot of times I get um, asked to speak at these events and the guy who put the event on, he sold tickets to the event. He said, I'm gonna have a bunch of speakers there, man. King Keto Gymnasium Jesus is gonna be there too, man. So you gotta come. So he was able to charge more by putting my name on there, right? He couldn't reduce churn because it was a one-time thing, but he probably hit him with the upsell. Hey, you want VIP access? Sit in the front. Boom, that's the upsell. Then the cross sale is he'll allow people who go to stage to maybe pitch from the stage to sell to the audience, and then he gets a cut of that. It's a like super popular business model in uh, the speaking world. That's the cross sale. But all these things together increase lifetime value. And the higher you can get that lifetime value, the more you can spend to acquire a customer, the more this money you can make. The second mistake that will bankrupt your business is not knowing your numbers. Okay, check this out. You ever watch Shark Tank? You see the homie Mark Cuban? See the old, that old crazy lady? She looked like she looked like a Corella DeVille, man, but she a G though. She my favorite. Barbara, yeah, Barbara, man. She my favorite one. Cause she old and like, <laughs> she like, she arm wrestle you. And then you got all the other sharks. Every time, if the entrepreneur doesn't know his numbers, that motherfucker ain't getting a deal. And I'm always watching this shit. Like, why do these motherfuckers go on here not knowing their numbers? You got to know the numbers of your business. Success is all math, especially business. It's all math. And it's simple math too, right? Of course, you got to know your LTV, your lifetime value. Got to know your cost of acquisition. CAC. Cost of acquiring customer. Another good number to know is return on ad spend. Obviously, you got to know revenue. That's top line revenue. But you also need to know net profit. And you got to know your profit margin. See what I'm saying? There's more numbers than that that are important. But those are the main ones you just, you just got to know. You got to know them off the top of your head. You got to stay abreast of them. Now, speaking of the numbers, the third mistake that I see a lot of people making is they try to get all the profit for themselves. Tell you a little story, quick story. I used to have a marketing agency and what we would do is we would find influencers 
who had a nice size following and we would build courses around them. Me and my team put together all the websites. We'd run all the ads with our own money. We do all the customer service. We basically handle everything. And all the influencers had to do was promote it. They had to be in the videos, but we would film it. We would edit it. We put everything together. We did everything. All they had to do was show up and talk. Then they had to just promote it on their social medias. We helped them monetize their, their fan base. This is one guy. I'm not going to say his name. He wasn't in the fitness space. He was from Canada. That was my first mistake. <laughs> he wasn't in the fitness space. I don't know what y'all think it was Greg. That's my homie. But he was a Canada guy and he wasn't in the fitness space. Put this course together. We were going to launch it again. I was going to do everything. All he had to do was show up. We we're going to split the shit 50-50 right down the middle. We started working on it. Starting everything. We moved fast. So we started working on it before we gave him the contract. That was a big mistake that I made like years and years ago. It hadn't been a problem until the goddamn Canadians stepped in. And then he said at the last minute, nah, man, I don't want to do 50%. I want to give y'all 20% because it's me. And we was like, fuck out of here. You know what I'm saying? We doing, literally doing all the work. You ain't even had an idea. Anyway, Canada guy went, went and did it himself. You know what I'm saying? And he got to keep 100%. Of the profit. Sounds good, right? So you realize he only made about 20 grand. That's not bad. That's not bad, but he made about 20 grand. I was working with a different influencer. I'll leave his name out of it. He was from Texas. Texas guy. Similar size fan base. All our deals were 50-50. We do all the work. They do everything. Texas guy was totally cool with doing 50-50. But here's the thing. We were good at this shit, man. I'm a fucking expert marketer. You know what I'm saying? And history has shown that. We get the 50%. He gets 50%. All the metrics are super similar. But we did total profit 200K. So Texas guy got how much? Any math whizzes or Asians in here? That's right. He got 100K. Would you rather have 100% of 20K or would you rather have 50% of 200K? That's a big mistake I see people make. You know, business owners, they're, they're super stingy with their profit margins. But you can't go as fast. Like, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, you got to go with the team. So you shoot yourself in the foot when you're too focused on profit, trying to keep it all for yourself. Now, let's look at this in a, in a broader business context. You got to think about what are your net profit margins. What you do is you take your top line revenue minus expenses. That's your profit. So let's say you got porn companies. So biz A, because porn is big business. The revenue, let's call it 10 mil. 10 M's sounds good, right? But net profit is only 100K, right? Because I don't know how much goes into porn. I imagine cleanup is the biggest expense. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I imagine motherfucker coming in that motherfucker dressed like an extra from the movie Outbreak and shit. He got a hazmat suit on cleaning up the porn and shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Biz B. It's a smaller porn company. But they making about 500K a year. But the net is 50 racks. So they're a lot leaner over there. Well, check this out. If we wanted to get the margins, the net profit margins, we divide the net profit by the, the revenue. So their net profit margins is 1%, even though it's more revenue. So you, you do got to think about like how profitable your business is as well. But it's more revenue. So you got to think, what do you really want? Even though this one, the profit margin is 10%. Now on paper, let's say you're the business owner, the profit margins looks better than this profit margin. However, you also got to look at the bottom line. I'd rather have 1% of 10 million than 10% of half a million, personally. But it depends on what your business model is, right? The truth is you do want to get your profit margin as high as it can be, 
but don't be so stingy that it stifles your growth. Because that what happened with this motherfucker. This motherfucker still ain't made over 100K in a year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When this motherfucker made 100K in just a few months, fucking with the big homie. Romulus said this. I thought it was a gem. He said, I don't care about how big my slice is. I care about making the whole pie bigger. And I feel like that was like a jewel because you can focus on how profitable your business is, right? And still you not be making a lot of money. For example, the average car dealership runs off of a 1% profit margin, one to 2%, the average car dealership, but they move in units. They got to pay the salespeople. They got to pay, I don't know, mechanics and shit. I don't know what's going on, man. <laughs> right. But they got to pay people. They need to run off 1% profit margin. But if you ever meet somebody who owns a car dealership, man, that motherfucker's balling. If you ever seen the show Moesha, man, I think that's what her dad had. And they was living real good. Sometimes you sacrifice the profits so you can grow more. But it really depends on your business model. It's no better or worse, but keep that into account. Would you rather have 10% of half a million or 1% of 10 million? Me, I'm picking the 1% all day. The fourth mistake that can bankrupt your business is ignoring economic cycles. For example, a lot of businesses are seasonal. For example, let's go with the retail industry. In the retail industry, especially like clothing or just any, any retail, especially brick and mortar or even online, it's super seasonal, right? So if we were to break this into quarters, right? Just the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, and the fourth quarter. Most businesses, retail businesses aren't making money in the first quarter, the second quarter, or even the third quarter, they make almost all their money in the fourth quarter. And when a business is not making money, that's typically referred to as being in the red. However, after Thanksgiving, that's when companies start to go into the black and they start to, to become profitable, right? Retail businesses. That's why the day after Thanksgiving is called Black Friday. I know you probably didn't know that. I used to think growing up that they called it Black Friday because that's when my cousins go buy TVs and shit. Standing in line in front of uh, Walmart, get him a washer and dryer set because they got them deals. Hey, look at here, boy. They got them deals. After the game, man, go out there, man. We we ain't in line here, man. Motherfuckers be in line, man, getting that washer and dryer set. You know what it is. You know. I thought that's why it was called Black Friday. Then I went to business school and I realized, oh, it's because that's when businesses go in the black. Here's the thing. Retailers... They plan for that. They know that they won't be in the black until this point. So they plan for it, right? So what they do is they know that that's the cycle. This is when they spend all the money. If you have a business now and you start running ads after Thanksgiving, you're going to notice that they're going to get super expensive. But that's because when all the big companies, big Fortune 500 companies, that's when they're putting all their budget in. That's when everything's on sale and it's going to be difficult to compete. Because remember, whoever can spend the most acquired customer wins ain't even those fucking space on the Facebook or Instagram <laughs> for motherfuckers who ain't dropping real money because you got the big companies that are these billion dollar companies spending tons of money to acquire customers. You know what I'm saying? Black Friday, Cyber Money, all that shit. In the fitness industry, it's the exact opposite because I've been in the fitness industry for you know over 20, 25 years. It's the exact opposite. So we make the most of our money in the first quarter. You know what happens in January. New year, new me. The gym is packed. And if you are in the fitness industry, you know you're about to come up. It's like the Super Bowl for us. It's like the opposite. New Year's is Black Friday for us. So that's when we get the most money. And then, you know, it kind of tapers off. You know, you might get a little bump right before spring. And then it tapers off. And then, listen, by the time fucking the fourth quarter comes, 
it's like a fall off. Motherfuckers be like, you know what, man? I'm gonna wait till next year. <laughs> I fucked up. I'm fat. It's Thanksgiving, Christmas. Fuck it, I'm gonna wait till next year. And it's kind of like that seasonally. No matter what the seasonality is, your business, you definitely want to um, plan accordingly. One of my companies, uh, High Ticket Trainer, where we tell, teach trainers how to build their online business business. One of the main things we do is we focus on getting them ready for that fourth quarter slump, getting them ready so that they can put mechanisms in place to retain the clients they have, but more importantly, getting ready for January. Yo, shit I used to do, man, back when I was like a trainer trainer, when I was actually training people during the holidays, I wouldn't even eat all the shit. At Thanksgiving, weigh in the turkey and the collard greens, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not eating nothing else. And you know, I got a black mama. She's like, oh, baby. Sugar, you ain't gonna have none of these candy yams. Come on, boy, I stayed on it. And then you know the uncle said, Hey boy, you better go ahead and get you some of them yams. Mama over there. Don't know about my man getting all day, getting mommy get you some yam, boy. <laughs> Look here. Nobody go ahead and get them wings. I'm hearing all that shit. I was like, yo, listen. I ain't trying to get diabetes like you niggas. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got shit to do. I'm training for fucking January, man. I'll get fat when I'm old like y'all. But as for right now, I got to get this paper. So by the time January come, I was peaking like I was getting ready for a show. So I was ready when people said, oh, shit. Because I knew like the, the customer base would be like, oh, shit. I've been getting fat all year. <laughs> now, new year, new me. Oh, shit. Look how ripped fucking King Keto is. That's gymnasium. Jesus, I can't believe you look like that, man. I better get him some money to train me. That was a strategy that we were able to reap a lot of benefits from. You know what I'm saying? So even, even on Christmas, man, Christmas, I'm with the scale. I'm only eating turkey and collard greens. So you just got to think about what the seasonality is of your business and plan around it so you can make more money. It might be like stacking dough. During the downswings, depends on what it is, man. Depends on what you got going on. The fifth thing that can fuck your business all the way up <laughs> is over-reliance on like one. So that can be one single customer that can make or break your business sometimes. Sometimes it's that. That can be problematic for you. Relying on one supplier, relying on one customer acquisition method as well. This became a problem for me around, I don't know, I'm going to say it was 2015, early 2010s, I don't remember exactly what happened, maybe like 2012, I had a YouTube page before this and I was running my, my, my online fitness business and like all my leads came from that. They would go from my YouTube page to my website and then from there, we I'd get most of the leads from my fitness business and uh, I was able to make enough money to quit all the jobs you heard my story, right? But everything was coming from YouTube. Now, in my defense, Instagram didn't exist back then. There was no TikTok. You know what I'm saying? All that shit. Yup. Nope. Yep. <laughs> like that shit wasn't, you couldn't do that shit back then. And um, YouTube was the only uh, social media platform I, I focused on. And then one day, man, it happened the same week. My YouTube page got shut down and somebody hacked my website. I was using a WordPress blog at the time. Somebody hacked my website so I couldn't even log in. My YouTube page got shut down and the hack on the website, it was all like Viagra and like Sex shit, you know what I'm saying? Mostly Viagra. And motherfuckers like, man, what happened to Brandon Carter, man? Oh shit, man, he's selling, look like he's selling Viagra now. That seems to be his big, his main business model. He's left fitness and went into male sexual <laughs> hand enhancement. He's less, he's not focused on helping you build muscle and, and burn fat. Now he's focused on erectile dysfunction. He's pivoted. <laughs> At least that's how it looked like to the outside world. That wasn't my business model. That wasn't cool, right? But what I, what I learned from that, I was talking to the homie uh, Elliot Hulse. When I was coming back, I had to come back from that. And uh, the big homie Elliot Hulse. 
And he said, yo, the most, the, the most dangerous thing is just relying on one, right? You were only focused on YouTube, right? So after that, when I rebuilt the business, I had to go get a job and shit. <laughs> I had to go get a job. It's like, hey, man, I've never been too fucking proud to go out here and work if I need to, right? So I went and got a job and I, and I went back on my grind, built the shit back up. But when I did built it back up, I said, you know what? I'm going to focus on Facebook as well. Those were the main two social networks at the time. And I'm going to build my own email list. So if this shit happens again, I have a customer base or I have a fan base of people on my email list. So I'll build my email list up to 100,000. YouTube, 100,000 again. Cool. Facebook, though, that blew up, man. Facebook blew up to 1.5 million. And that became like a serious acquisition channel, right? But we didn't focus on that. When Instagram came out, we was focused on that. And you see right now, I have a million on most platforms now, except for TikTok which was like close to half a million now, but it's like just diversifying shit. But also I'm running ads on different platforms. I'm running ads on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. You know what I'm saying? I stay diversified with my customer acquisition because you never know, man, what it, something can happen one day and then you fucking screwed if you're not, if you don't have um, diversification in that regard. Those are the five things that can stop you from building your business and bankrupt your shit. Hope that was helpful. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, thank you for listening to this all the way to the end. And in case you're looking for more free content and more free stuff that'll help you make money, build your muscle and your mindset, join our free Victory Unit Discord channel. It's 100% free. And I have free courses in there that you can download right now, today, 100% free. And we're putting new courses in there all the time. We're in there answering your questions. There's a group of people who are super serious about obtaining elite level success. And if that's you, go ahead and join the Discord. But don't join, you know, if you want to be average or mediocre. That's not the place for you. You won't find anything for you there, right? If you want to be a regular guy who does regular shit until you die, that's cool. I'm sure you got redeeming qualities. The Victory Unit Discord, you won't find a lot of value for you. Now, if you're a guy who's hell bent on success and will not allow anything to stop him from accomplishing his goals, you fucking need to join the Victory Unit Discord. You need to stop whatever you're doing, whatever it is. It's not more important than joining the Victory Unit Discord right now. I don't care if you're holding a baby, you know what I'm saying? If you're at work, put the baby down, walk out of that meeting, join the Victory Unit Discord right now, right? It's the most important thing you'll do if you're serious about success. And in case you're into video podcasts, you can find and watch this episode on my YouTube channel as well, all right? Holla at y'all. Peace.